Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Good morning and welcome back to Silverdale Baptist Church. If I've not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Maddie, and I serve as a part of the team here on our Bonnie Oaks campus and I'm super grateful and thankful that you're with us this morning. Listen, we are going to continue on in our study through the book of Hebrews and specifically this morning we're looking at Hebrews 11 verses 8 through 19. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and pull your Bible out. If you're using one of those scripture journals, it's on page 44 of that scripture journal. But go ahead and pull out your Bible, go to the book of Hebrews. Also, I hope you got a worship guide that looks just like this. As you came in, you'll pull that out too. You'll need that here in just a few moments. Last week, our pastor began to walk us through Hebrews 11, the great hall of faith chapter. And he gave us a biblical definition of faith that I want us to talk through this morning just a little bit further. And it was this. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. It's at the top of your right line. Faith is the confident assurance about the things we don't see because God has promised them in his word. That biblical faith, true faith, is a confident assurance about things we don't see because God has promised them in his word. The true faith is a confidence that we have because of the truths that are contained in scripture. He also explained to us what faith is not. That faith isn't blind optimism or magical thinking. Right? That faith isn't just believing the best. It's not looking for the silver lining in a situation. It's not believing that time's the greatest healer or that if we can muster up enough good thoughts and good energy and good feelings that everything will be okay. In fact, to walk in faith, to live by faith is much more practical probably than we'd even care to believe. You see, the idea of having faith in any given situation, this idea of walking by faith, of living by faith through life's ups and downs has been consistently abused by people in the church and those outside of the church. You see, in many ways, whether it's from a well-meaning Christian or someone who's far from God, we've been led to believe that faith is this ambiguous or elusive thing that we need to muster up and use as a crutch when things get hard. But faith isn't rooted, it's not grounded in our feelings, it's much more practical than that. Our faith, true faith, biblical faith is grounded in our theology. And when I say that our faith is grounded in our theology, here's what I'm saying, you can write this down. That the foundation of faith is built on what or who we believe God to be. That the foundation of faith is built on what or who we believe God to be. Faith isn't a feeling that comes and goes. Faith isn't something that we can just muster up. Faith is deepened and built over time as we learn and experience who God is based on the truths we experience in and through his word. Now, why is that important for us to know? Why is it important for us to stand? Because there's gonna be times and seasons in your life where it feels like the train is coming off the tracks. And maybe you're in a season like that right now. That you don't know what's next. You don't know what to expect. And the faith that we have in those moments 
the confident assurance we have in the things God has promised will often be birthed from our theology of who God is and the experiences that we've had with him in the past. But in those seasons of our lives where we have no idea what the next step is, where we don't know what our next move is, where it seems uncertain and unclear, when it seems like life doesn't make any sense at all, it's faith that will help us move forward. Listen, that's one of the reasons we encourage you here to be men and women who read your Bible every single day because our faith will grow as our understanding of God grows. And one of the primary ways in which we can know God is by knowing his word. It's by reading the word, knowing and understanding the word. I recently had the opportunity to sit down with a guy who would tell you that for three decades, 30 plus years of his life, he said there was no God. He didn't have a belief in God. And then there were some things, several things that transpired in his life that led him to a place where he believed in God. Where he'd say, I believe that there is a God. All of these things couldn't have happened if there wasn't some kind of orchestrator. And through that, he got to a place where he put his faith and his trust in Jesus. And as he was sharing his story with me, he told me, uh, he went and he sat down with another pastor and he began to share this story with the pastor. And he totally looked at the guy and he said, my marriage is in shambles right now. And I don't know that I've got enough faith to believe that Jesus can reconcile my marriage. And the pastor looks back at him and he says, well, maybe then your relationship with God isn't real. And my bet is that his experience isn't unique to him. My guess is that there are many of us in the room that have had a similar experience, that we've walked through a trying and difficult time. Our faith has been shaken. Maybe it's even weak in those moments and somebody, well-meaning or not, has looked back at you and said, well, maybe you just don't have a relationship with God. They've looked back at you and said, your lack of faith is evidence that you don't know and believe and trust God when that often isn't true. Sure, sometimes it's true, but often that's not true. Because what we know is that in all reality, faith is weak often because our understanding of who God is is weak or at best, it's underdeveloped. That maybe you do have a relationship with God, but your understanding, your theology of who God is is just underdeveloped, which leaves you with a weak faith. But let me encourage you for just a second this morning because there's a really simple and easy way to begin to strengthen your faith and your understanding of God. You ready for this? This is ground-shaking stuff. Read your Bible and do what it says. If you want to grow your faith, read your Bible and do what it says. That's the way that we grow faith. Romans 10, 17 says this, that faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Right? And then James would double down on that and he'd say, but be doers of the word and not hearers only. You want to grow faith? Read the word, do what it says. You want your faith to grow? Pray, listen, and then do what God asks you to do. But so many of us find ourselves in a place where we ask God to do something. He says, yeah, homeboy, homegirl, I need you to do this. And you're like, uh, I wasn't ready for all that now. Read the word, hear from God, and do what it says. But when we face uncertainty, how does our faith help us? How does our faith help us move forward? Few people have lived in and through as much uncertainty as a guy named Abraham who we read about in the very first book of the Bible. It's in Genesis. Abraham's life is documented from Genesis 12 
when we see God speak to him for the very first time at 75 years of age, all the way through his death in Genesis 25 when he dies at 175 years of age. And what we're gonna see through this passage in Hebrews is we learn a little about the faith of Abraham is that there are moments in his life and in the life of his family where he had no idea what was next. Moments in his life that were plagued with uncertainty and uneasiness, but what we'll see is that it's this faith that helps him move forward. So if you take a note, you can go ahead and write this down this morning. This is point number one. Our faith helps us obey. Faith helps us obey. Look at verse eight with me. It says this, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So in Genesis 12, we see God speak to Abraham for the first time. And I want you to look what he says. It'll be on the screens behind me. It says this, now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I'll show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I'll bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. So God calls Abraham to leave everything that's familiar to him, his home, his family, his people, but God didn't tell him where he was going. He just told him at some point, I'll show you. And verse four tells us that Abraham went. And Hebrews tells us that it was through faith that Abraham obeyed. He didn't resist. He didn't delay. He didn't complain or make excuses. He obeyed. Abraham had a confident assurance in the things that he couldn't see because of the promises God had given him in his word. Look again at that. Here's the commandment that God gives Abraham. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house. Right? Here's the unknown. He then says, to the land that I will show you. And then here are the promises of God in his word that give Abraham a confident assurance. Go to this place that I'll show you later and I'll make of you a great nation. And I'll bless you and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Abraham had a confident assurance in what he couldn't see and didn't know because the promise God gave him in his word. And that results in Abraham's obedience. Faith helps us obey. Here's the second thing that faith helps us with. Faith helps us believe God's promises. Faith helps us believe God's promises. Verse nine says this, by faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city whose foundations has a designer and builder that is God. Abraham was given the commandment to go, to leave everything and go to the land that God would show him, right? This is part of the promise that God made with Abraham. But while Abraham was alive, he never actually owned the land that God had promised to give him. Look again at verse nine. It says this, by faith, he went to live in the land of the promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. They lived as foreigners in this land that God had promised them. Abraham walked up and down this promised land, but he never possessed it. He lived the rest of his life, a hundred years, waiting on the fulfillment of a promise. Can you imagine the discouragement? Living in a place that God has promised to give you, but you live there as a nomad, as a traveler, as a foreigner. And maybe that's where you are this morning. Maybe you walk in the room feeling like God hasn't fulfilled a promise to you yet. 
But God always keeps his promises. And here's where it gets really good. While Abraham believed the promise of God to give him the land, that his faith was in the ultimate fulfillment of the promised land of heaven. You see, he put his faith in the same promise God gives you and I. That if we have right standing with God, if we are righteous before God, our inheritance will be heaven. Abraham has faith as he looks forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. As important as this earthly land was to Abraham and to God's promise, he looked upward towards a heavenly land. His faith allowed him to trust in the promise of God that one day he would spend eternity with God. And it was faith in that promise that allowed him to endure and persevere here on earth. Listen, we've been given that same promise, church. That through Christ and his death on the cross, we're given right standing with God. And when we're made right with God, we're given the right to be called children of God, to one day spend eternity in the presence of God. And Abraham's faith, our faith, can allow us to look past earthly circumstances and lock in on the promise of God. Our faith will allow us to look past the circumstances and situations in our lives to fix our eyes on the promise of God and believe that God always keeps his promises. I heard a great story this week. It's about a missionary couple that were in Africa in the early 1900s. And they're getting ready to head back. Um, maybe it's the late, early 1900s. But they're getting ready to head back to the US and they're on a ship heading back, which good old Teddy Roosevelt is on the same ship because Teddy has been in Africa on this hunting trip. So as this big old ship pulls into the docks in New York City, there are hundreds, thousands of people there with American flags and they're waving and they're cheering because there's the president. And everyone's so excited to see Teddy coming home with his elephant head or whatever it was that he hunted and brought home with him from Africa. And the missionary couple are discouraged. And they get back to the little apartment that they're renting that night in the city and the husband looks at his wife and he says, you know, sweetie, I'm just really sad. She says, why? He says, we've, we've been serving the Lord. We went to Africa to tell people about Jesus. We've been doing God's work and there wasn't a single person here to welcome us home. All they cared about was the president. And like any good wife, she looks back at her husband and she says, well, baby, maybe you should go talk to God about that. So off he goes and he goes into the bedroom and he's in there for a few minutes and he comes walking back out and he's got this big old smile on his face. And the wife looks at him and she says, so what, what did he say? He says, well, he just reminded me that we're not home yet. See, when we fix our eyes on the promises of God, genuine faith allows us to persevere through dark and hard and difficult times because we lock in on the promise of God. And I wish we had time this morning to talk through all of the promises that we find in God's word. I wanna share two of them with you this morning. Romans 8, 28 says this, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for the purpose of those who, for those who are called according to his purpose. That for those of us in the room who love God, who follow God, who trust God, who've made Jesus their Lord and Savior, the promise is that all things work together for good. All things. Your spouse has an affair. If you love God, his promise he'll, is that he'll use it for good. You get sick. If you love God, the promise is that he can use it for good. Somebody dies unexpectedly, 
God's promise to the believer is that he can use it for good. Then a little bit later in that same letter, the Apostle Paul writes this in Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you'll be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified and with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. The promise of God says that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead to claim victory over sin and death, that you will be saved. That there's nothing else that you've got to do. Right? It's not get yourself all cleaned up and then you can come to God. It's not figure out all this junk that's in your life and then come to God. The promise of God is that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. It doesn't require anything else of us. We've been led to believe that we've got to dust ourselves down, clean ourselves up, put on a shirt and tie and walk into church and then Jesus will accept us. It's just not true. The promise of God is you come as you are, he accepts you as you are, he loves you as you are, and he changes you, he makes you new, and he sends you out different. All this other stuff, we'll figure that out later. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. That is a promise from God. I remember a time in my life when that promise in Romans 8 that I just shared with you became real to me, and this may seem like a silly story to you, may seem like a silly illustration to you, but it's so real in my life. Soccer has always been a part of my life. Ever since I was a little boy, all of my earliest memories involved the game of soccer. And I just knew that one day I was going to make it, right? I was going to play soccer the rest of my life and I was going to be professional and all that good stuff that comes along with it. Well, there was a moment when I was about 16 that I realized, "Ah, probably not going to make it all the way to where I need to. But what I knew in that moment was that soccer is a robust business like any sport. And I wanted to make a living doing whatever, wherever, however, as long as it involved a soccer ball. And it was my dream. It was my life. And then I'm at Lee University. I'm working on my master's degree. I'm in a little one-bedroom apartment. And I visibly remember hearing from God. Like I can put myself back in that place. I can see exactly where I was sitting, what the room looked like in that moment when I felt like I heard God say, that's not gonna be the rest of your life. And listen, I wrestled with God. I argued with God. I disagreed with God. I was mad at God. And as silly as this may sound to you, sitting in that room, I wept before the Lord. I felt like everything I'd ever wanted was being taken out of my hands. The dream that I had pursued all my life, things that I had worked hard for, was being snatched out of my hand. And I had no idea what the rest of my life was going to, I had a plan, you know what I'm saying? Like I knew what the steps were gonna look like, I had figured it all out. And then all of a sudden, in an instant, everything became uncertain and hazy and I had no, I was about to get married, like just a couple weeks later, I had no idea what the rest of my life was gonna look like. And I will never forget sitting in that room reading Romans 8 and it's like the verse jumped off the page and into my heart that for those who love God, all things work together. I loved God. I wanted to serve God. I wanted to honor God with my life and that promise jumped off the page and it gave me a confident assurance of what I couldn't see because there was a promise that God made in his word to me. I read the Bible and I did what it said. The next way our faith helps us is this, it helps us overcome. Faith is powerful. Faith can see the invisible, 
Faith can hear the inaudible and it accomplishes the impossible. Faith helps us. Faith is often the vehicle, the power by which we overcome what is seemingly impossible. See, it was by faith that Abraham and his wife Sarah overcame what was impossible and had a child, Isaac, when they were in their 90s. And every parent says, amen, that is impossible. You know, I'll let your mind kind of run with the details of how that works. But if you're a parent, you know, like, it's tiring being a mom and a dad, right? Like, can you imagine doing that in your 90s? Not for me. Verse 11 says this, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, that's a very polite way to say that, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Now, maybe you know this story in Genesis, right? That God had promised Abraham, he'd make him a great nation, and he promised him his son, Isaac. But deep into their old age or into the 90s, there is no child to speak of. If you were to go back and read Genesis, you'd see that there's little to indicate that Sarah ever had much faith in God. But on several occasions, she laughed at God's promise to give them a son. She laughed and said, but look how old we are. She even went as far as to convince Abraham to sleep with her maid, Hagar, who then gets pregnant. Hagar has a son. His name is Ishmael. And what we know now is that the Arab people are descendants of Ishmael, who since the 1940s have been essentially at war with Israel, who are the descendants of Isaac, who is the promised child. Here's what we need to know. We're not going to spend a whole lot of time here. Sin always has lasting consequences. We need to remember that. But here's what I love about this. It should give us a little bit of hope. Because even though we have evidence that Sarah's faith was non-existence, at the very least it was weak at times, we see that at some point it was because of her faith in a faithful God that she received the power to conceive a child. It should give us hope because it reinforces the reality that through time in God's word, through experiences with God, we can deepen and strengthen our faith. And maybe today that's where you land. Maybe as you sit in your seat this morning, maybe as you join us online this morning, you feel like you lack faith or have no faith. Or maybe you don't have, feel like you don't have enough faith to overcome the challenges that you face. Maybe they're financial challenges, physical challenges, relational challenges. But when we ground our faith in a faithful God, when we draw near to that faithful God, he can help us overcome the challenges that we face. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying to the many of you in the room who struggle with things like infertility, that if you just put your faith and trust in God, he'll do for you what he did for Sarah. That would be cruel and unkind for me to leave you with that impression. I'm not saying that for many of you who wrestle with chronic illness or have chronic illness in your family, that if you put your faith in God, if you just have enough faith in God, that he'll heal you. It's not true. And it wouldn't be fair for me to leave you with that. Can God do those things? Yes, absolutely. Have we seen him do those things? Yes, absolutely. Will he do those things? I don't know. I don't know what that looks like in your life. But what I am saying is this, that when we put our faith in God, what he will do is help us overcome the fear, the hurt, and the pain and the confusion that so often comes with those challenges and he'll empower us to live a joy and peace-filled life. That's what he will do. The next thing that faith does is it helps us trust. You can go ahead and write that down. That's the fourth point. Faith helps us trust. 
Verses 17 and 18 say this. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac your offering shall be named. So Isaac was the promised son that God had given Abraham and Sarah, and then seemingly, in the most shocking of twists, God calls Abraham to give up his son Isaac as a sacrifice. What God was asking Abraham to do was to kill Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice to God. So Abraham prepares to do exactly that. He takes Isaac off, they head up a mountain, he ties him up, he lays him on the altar, he raises the knife, and just a moment before he kills his son, God stops him, gives him a ram to sacrifice in Isaac's place. How could he do that, you might ask? How could he know the promise of God How could he know that Isaac was the path to the fulfillment of that promise and still be willing to kill him? Well, look at verse 19. It says this, For he, Abraham, considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which he figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Faith in its most simplest form is quite simply trust. Abraham trusted God. Abraham trusted God with the outcome of what God was asking him to do. Let me say that again. Abraham trusted God with the outcome of what God was asking him to do. Faith will allow us to trust God even when we have no idea how in the world the promises of God might be fulfilled. Do you trust God with the outcome of what God is asking you to do? Can I tell you so often I don't? So often I find myself, I know what God has asked me to do. I know what God is calling me to do, but I want to control as much of it as possible because I want to be able to influence the outcome. So often I don't trust God with the outcome of what God is calling me to do. Abraham had a confident assurance about what he couldn't see because God had promised them in his word. Abraham trusted God. Here's the last thing I want you to know this morning. It's this. Faith points us to Jesus. Faith points us to Jesus and it will always point us to Jesus because if faith is the confident assurance about things I don't see because God has promised them to me in his word the only way we become recipients of the promises of God is through a relationship with Jesus Jesus said I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me We will only ever be recipients of the promises of God through relationship with Jesus. Look at verse 16, it says this, but as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God for he has prepared for them a city. Faith will help us navigate the trials and the challenges we face right here on earth with belief in who God is and what he said. By faith, we pray that we'll see miracles take place in our lives, that we'll see people miraculously healed, marriages reconciled, and lives transformed. But our faith should also create in us a desire for something that's not of this world. It should create in us a desire for heaven to be reunited with God in his presence. Some of you know my younger brother, John. I like to joke with him that if he got the brains in our family, then I for sure got the looks. Thank you, appreciate that. John is a CPA and he currently works in, a, in, a, for, in finance for a company here in town. But as long as I can remember, John has been smart, analytical. He's valued the logic and predictability that comes with numbers, right? 
From the moment that I became a follower of Christ in 2008, I knew that I had to share the truth of Jesus with my brother, John. Right, from the first time we, I went home, it was Christmas time, I sat in my living room, one of my best friends had come with me and we began to share the gospel with John and John had a lot of questions. He questioned the validity of Jesus' miracles. He questioned the ability of Jesus to take away the sins of the world. He questioned that what he knew about science and creation. But through friendships that he made and influence of those around him, his faith began to grow. And this growing faith helped him overcome some questions he had about who Jesus was and what he did. It helped him learn to believe the promises of God found in his word. And it helped him learn that God could be trusted. But in many ways, none of that matters even a little bit. You see, we can believe and have faith that there is a God. And maybe many of you in the room do. Hopefully all of you in the room do. We can believe that he's good and he wants good things for us. We can believe that God is trustworthy. But faith in those things doesn't save us. It's only faith and faith in Jesus and through faith in Christ that we get a relationship with God. And on January 27, 2014, this growing faith that my brother had became faith in who Jesus was and what Jesus accomplished for him on the cross. And from that moment, his life was changed forever. And I believe that for some of you this morning, you find yourself in a place that you believe there's a God. You've got faith in a God. Maybe you even have faith in the fact that he's a good God. But Jesus, I don't know that I, that I believe that Jesus could save me. Some of you, life has beaten you up and beat you down. And you find yourself in a place where maybe your faith is weak or non-existent. Maybe you've put faith in all these other things. Maybe it's your family, your finances, your relationships. Maybe it's the way you look, the friend you have. And you try to put your faith in all these other things and it just keeps coming up short. This morning, I wanna encourage you, would you put your faith in Jesus? Would you put your faith and hope and trust and belief in the God who loves you and sent his son to die for you? Would you have a relationship with that God through his son, Jesus? It is only faith in Jesus that can save us. Faith in anything else doesn't matter. Here's what I want to do for us this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to continue to worship this morning. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your goodness towards us, your grace towards us. That we ask even in these moments for the man or woman that, that doesn't believe in your son Jesus, that doesn't have faith in Jesus, would today be the moment that they put their faith in Christ? God, for the guy or the girl who would say, my faith is weak, would you give them the discipline to open their Bible today to read and to simply do what it says? God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses or you can attend online. 
you will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.